Okay, so, like the title says, we are doing a Rush deep dive today. Yes, the band Rush. And, uh, surprise for you, we have Getty Lee. No, I'm just kidding. I wish. That would be, that would be amazing. Yeah, Night Mode is Poggers French. Um, that would be absolutely amazing. But, uh, they are way out of our league when it comes to that. So it's just me for now. And then when, when Anthony gets here, it'll be him as well. And we'll be fine. It'll be great. It'll be a great time. But, um... Yeah, so we're doing Rush Deep Dive, um, kind of just going over the history of the band, um, a lot of cool, interesting stuff. Uh, I know Anthony's been listening to, listening to podcasts and watching stuff. I actually just uh, re-watched the uh, Behind, or Beyond the Light of Stage documentary. It's actually on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, you absolutely should. Um, but yeah, they are uh, a really more than talented, doesn't even describe this band, man. Um they're just, they're too good for their own good. Um, they are prog rock legends. And um, they they honestly deserve... Oh, there we go. Hello. Oh. Join call. Oh. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Oh, baby. There, oh, it's perfect! Oh, go. it's perfect! It's perfect! We're better! Oh we're my better god. Now? Okay, so the people who are listening on Spotify, which by the way, if you're listening on Spotify or watching this on YouTube, we stream this on Twitch every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash blackflame GG. So that was impressive. Thank you. I all that out in a single breath. I, I really had to concentrate. I'm not gonna lie, I really had to concentrate. Um, there we go. So here we go. I don't know if you can see the stream, but I got the names all fancied up. Oh, and... yeah. This looks incredible, man. Me. Good job. Me. All you. I did man. it. I did a thing. I did the good thing. Okay. So um, Anthony, uh, like a normal 2020, 2021 human being, wrote all of his notes on Rush in a Google Doc. Uh, I <laughs> did it on a pen and paper or pencil and paper because, uh, you know. Um, so, okay, real quick. Real quick, how are you, sir? How how are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing great, man. Thank you, good. thank you very much for asking. Good, um, good, good. It was a little bit of a hustle and bustle to get here. Um, it's rainy out, and people don't know how to drive in the rain in Florida. So right, right. That's just All kind right. of I wonder par if for I the can... course. I feel. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, we took a trip to Florida for my dad's wedding back in uh, March, and it was okay. Absolutely dreadful getting there. Um. Versus, I'm so happy the anti moved his camera back. Yeah, I know, right? It looks so much better with the uh, like the wide instead of the square. It's so much nicer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I've decided because when I use my camera for my personal stuff, I have it aligned vertically. But it's very as simple as me turning a knob and then rotating it, and we're good. So I'm just gonna keep it horizontal for all of these streams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I promise it, it looks so much better. Works out. I, um, I'm looking at it right now. It looks great. Yeah, it looks you great. Did an awesome job, man. You look, thank you look you. very handsome. Congratulations. Oh, um, thank you. Thank you. Wow. So, real quick, I watched or I rewatched. I've already said the chat, but I'll say it to you since you weren't here. Um, mm -hmm. Which welcome uh, is that I rewatched uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage today, the Rush documentary. Um, Excellent. And uh, I wanted to point out um, for for those who aren't familiar with Rush and the impact that they had on music. Um, this documentary kind of just goes over, honestly, their kind of whole span of career up to when it was filmed and released, which was 2010. Mm -hmm. um, so they actually had a bunch of musicians and stuff speak on their, on, not on their behalf, but about them. 
And I kind of I made a list of those musicians just to show you how impressive their reach was and who they inspired. Um, so here is the list. It's not super long, but you know it's people. Right. Uh, Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, which by the way he was literally the I'm pretty sure the first person you see in that whole documentary. And if that was me, I could quit my career there. I was like, I'm the first person you yeah. see in a Rush documentary, and I win. I'd make a I'd make a plaque, and then we're done. That's it. That's my career. Um, so Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. Jack Black, who we all know, um, yeah. Mike Mike Portnoy, uh, which is previously of Dream Theater. I'm not sure what he's doing yeah. now when it comes to drums. Sebastian Bach of Skid Row, uh, Tim Comerford of Rage Against the Machine, the bassist, mm-hmm. Kirk Hammett of Metallica. We all know who that is. Yeah. Um, let's see, Gene Simmons of Kiss, who uh, they toured with, and little story here. Kiss thought they were boring as hell because um, not like as a band. They loved them as a band, but mm-hmm. as people, because yeah. when they were on tour with Kiss, Kiss would be like running through the halls and chasing women and drinking and all this stuff. And uh, on one of the nights of their tour at their hotel, they had a professional like women's like volleyball team or something like that staying on the same floor. And uh-huh. and like all of them had their doors open while they were like doing all the stuff that women do. And right. And Russ is just chilling in their room, reading books and watching TV like they could care less. <laughs> it's it's honestly almost like like upbringing, yeah. Um, that, that that's a big, that's a big factor. Like they're first of all, they're from Canada, correct. And even though the Canada meme exists, Canadian people are generally speaking super super polite. And from the onset, like they were so insanely focused on their careers as musicians, as making it as musicians, because there was oh, so yeah. much doubt even when they had make it right like they signed they uh i'm not sure how much history you got into and i'm not trying to like kind of override Go ahead. Go the direction you're taking I'll, this I'll, I'll f- trust me hey i've got like three pages here so we we we're, we're good okay excellent we have enough to talk about yes they were um they were so insanely focused on making it as a band from the get go, right? Like they started out doing this tour of high schools and colleges in Ontario right. and all of that good stuff and that like the, the the thing that bands do when they're starting out they were playing hendrix and clapton etc right and it wasn't until they recorded an album right and their right. first thing they recorded was a cover of a of a buddy rich tune or a buddy buddy holly tune i can't is remember that, which was is that true i didn't know that that their first recording was a was a cover i don't know if it's buddy rich or buddy holly one oh. of the two and it was really inconsequential like 99 on the top 100 levels of inconsequential um (laughs) yeah uh their manager suggested that they record an album and they did and that's where working man comes from their first real big single i I have that in my my notes here ah there we go we did (laughs) we did the same research then so they released working man and then they start getting some traction right and they end up firing their original drummer, John Cooperson. Uh, I have his. Cooper. I have the name. I have the name. I have the name. You're the you're the you're the hard notes guy. What's his? Uh, what's John John Rutsey. John Rutsey. John Rutsey. They fire John Rutsey because he's having debilitating health problems due to diabetes. Yes. Like yes. Like, and and they sucks. they think they are a hundred percent sure that if they continue with him, and you know obviously he's living the rock star lifestyle. He's drinking like they're staying up all night. That kind of thing. Um, they, they are hundred percent sure that if he stays with the band and tours, uh, what is coming up with, which is the American tour, the first one they do, he will die hundred percent. Right. He's going to die. So for his health reasons, they, they, I wouldn't even say they fired him. It was pretty mutual. They parted he parted ways. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he like, as, as upset as he was, he agreed with it. 
Um, but yeah, so original drummer was John Rutsey um, for the start. Uh, I'm going to read some, some notes here. Uh, from start, <clears throat> John actually had musical tastes that were different um, from Getty and Alex. And mm -hmm. uh, those were pretty much straightforward rock songs. And then Getty and Alex were into more exp uh, experimental music. Um, and that's kind of where, even when at the start, they had like differing tastes and thoughts of where the music right. should it, go. It was, it was never a perfect match from the get go, mm -hmm. but, but you know, you take who you can get when you're, when you're starting a band, you know, this, I know this, of course. and you kind of run with it. Um, they were, they record that album with, with John Rutsey and they end up getting picked, uh, working man gets picked up by a radio station in Cleveland. Yep. And that's kind of the big, the ball starts rolling for them. And things start happening, and it's going well, right? But again, they're so tunnel visioned on having success. They get rid of, of John Rutsey and they hire Neil Peart, who, little side note history sidebar about where he came from. He started playing drums at 14, and by the age of 18, had moved to the United Kingdom from uh, Vancouver to focus on his music career. I didn't know that. But, yeah, like it, it was crazy <laughs> levels of dedication. And, and then he gets to, to the UK and he's reading on philosophy and studying all this different stuff oh he and then they genius. cross yeah he was the genius and they cross paths and that feels like the right fit you know like that those, that like like-minded people who are kind of more humble like we had already mentioned that kiss thought they were boring as people because they weren't raucously partying the whole time right, right? so um with, with neil um he was actually already in a band uh called jr F what is it jr flood was the band band's name uh, and they were actually already pretty serious. Um, but mm -hmm. one day when he was actually home in Canada, um, mm -hmm. the managers of Rush had picked, had contacted him and they picked him up in a brand new white Corvette. Granted, this was in Ooh. like the seventies, early seventies, late sixties, whatever it was. Uh, they picked him up in a brand new white Corvette to take him to lunch and ask him to audition for the band. Um, and when he had gotten to the audition, both Getty and Alex were like, one, this dude's hair, hair is not long enough. Two, he seems like a nerd. And three, he does not seem cool enough to be in this band. And then he started playing, and it was the best thing they've ever heard when it comes to someone playing drums. Yeah, like, it, it just speaks for itself, right? Right. Right. Um, I think we've all had that moment of the first time we heard Rush, and you notice the drums, and you're like, wow, what the fuck is happening? Of right? course. Of course. Uh, so I, for them to have that, that, same kind of reaction, you know, it's right. kind of telling it's kind um, of telling. So, so we got on, on a tangent there. I, I want to read the rest of this list just cause like the, yeah. amount, the amount of people that they had in there that are just seasoned veterans of rock music is insane. Um, so like I said, Gene Simmons, a kiss, uh, mm -hmm. Billy Corgan of smashing pumpkins, Danny Carey of tool. Who's the drummer of tool is who was a absolute demon when it comes to what he can play. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Vinnie Paul of Pantera and Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters, who was obviously the drummer of the Foo Fighters. And Vinnie Paul was the right. drummer of Pantera. He actually passed away a couple years ago, I believe. Um, yeah. Rest in peace. Vinnie Paul. Rest in peace, man. Um, so, yeah. So did you want to kind of, I know we've already kind of been talking, but do we want to make it more like uh, in sequence of years or do we just kind of want to say stuff and go with it? We can we can kind of keep this. I like the flow of us just kind of we're we're able to sidebar on things when we need to. Okay. I think I think the big thing is that we hit some of the more significant points in their career, right? Like right. the first like the first four records were very formative for Rush, in in my opinion, the opinion of people that like 
that just have been following the band for a little bit, right? Where um, it's like, first record is pretty inconsequential. Fly by Night happens, and again, not a well, whole lot. So the first record actually did really well. Um, because the first record, as soon as the uh, label manager of Mercury Records heard it, right. he was like, we have to sign them. Within eight hours of him hearing that record, the same day they were signed to Mercury. Um, so say, and that does not happen. Usually it's months of preparation right, right, and right, contracts right, right. and all that stuff. But because they were a young band who didn't have lawyers and all that stuff, they just had a manager, um, like who honestly kind of was new to it himself. Like he was doing that for a living, but he wasn't like professional. Um, yeah. So yeah. And actually, uh, so when, um, by and the, what is it? By and the snow snow dog. Is that the, is that the second album? Second album is Fly By Night, I'm pretty sure. Well, it's, okay, they had um, they had some stuff in between Fly By Night and the first album. And because that was when Neil joined and he got really conceptual with lyrics and stuff, I'm pretty sure it's By Tour and the Snow Dog. Um, and people heard that, and, and especially record execs were like, what the fuck is this? Like, I right. don't know what you're talking about. Um, I actually wrote down some of the things that critics had written about Rush in that uh, that time frame when Vitor came out. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're okay with it, I would love to read this because this yeah, had me cackling in my living room. Um, so some critics wrote, and I'll do open quote, end quote. Uh, so, uh, quote, overbearing and repetitious to the point of tears, end quote. Quote, Rush's humorless and limited interest is in literally themes and meager sense of melody made for one dull, dull concert, end quote. Uh, this quote, is savagery. This dude, isn't even like feedback. They got destroyed when the, those like bit of songs came out. Um, quote, deafening, dull, depressing, and dated. End quote. Uh, quote, the songs are a cancer. <laughs> the songs are a cancerous network of haphazard key and time signature changes. End quote. God. <laughs> and then my my absolute favorite quote. A voice that sounds like a rat uh, caught in a ringer, end quote. That's not nice, <laughs> dude. Like, that's... Dude, like, it's so bad. But the thing was, like, the, it's not that the music was bad. People just didn't get it. Like, right. That was the biggest thing is, like, the, the, if, if you didn't understand or if you didn't like Rush, it wasn't because Rush was a bad band. Because everyone knew they were talented as hell. Some of the most talented people that were in the music at music scene at that point. But it's because you did not understand what the hell they were doing. And like right. none of it made sense to you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I had to write those down um, because it, it showed like little news article clippings and it highlighted some. And I had to write down the ones that highlighted because it absolutely had me dying when I was watching that documentary. Yeah, I mean, that if anything, that's a lesson in like like persistence, right? Like if, if someone writes like one bad thing about my music, I'm like, all right, I quit. I'm out. Right, <laughs> you know? right. And then these guys are getting scathing upon scathing right. reviews. By the way, that was like... that was from uh, Caress of Steel, not, uh, not by Torn the Sun. Cor you know, Caress of Steel was a weird one for me because um if you look at the the chart positions for uh i'm looking at the the full lps not like the the eps and singles and, and live albums and stuff yeah like just the just the studio albums it's self-titled fly by night caress of steel 2112 and those right. four i think kind of set the the foundation for everything that comes much later in their career right yes where 
Rush was uh, Rush, the self-titled Rush was good. Hit 86 on the Canadian charts and 105 in the US. Those are the actual numbers. Um yeah. I I was and uh, that's Fly by Night. That's still great. That, that's still great. Yeah. Fly by Night is number nine on the Canadian charts and 113 on the US charts. So they're gaining traction in their local market. And you right. as a musician know how important it is to start gaining traction in your local markets, right? Right. Yes. Of uh, course. Fly by yeah, Fly by Night is now certified platinum, like many, many years later. Yes. Good to know. Yes. Uh, Caressive Steel, they dropped back down to 60 in their local market. That's how Ooh. much of like, yeah, they just got dropped. And what ends up happening is at that point, their executives at Mercury Records are like, y'all need to pick something. You need yeah. to either <laughs> figure, like, it out. <laughs> figure it out because it's what you're doing isn't working. Like where you're supposed to be doing well, you're not selling well. And if you don't figure it out, we're going to drop you. Right. And so they're kind of at this crossroads of do we kind of sell out and do the full Zeppelin inspired, Zeppelin, insti Zeppelin inspired, wow, I'm tongue tied, <laughs> Zeppelin inspired commercially accessible rock, or do we go off the rails? And I think. We, if you haven't listened to 2112, I would let you, I would tell you to go listen to that and make the decision for yourself of where, what direction they chose to go in. But <laughs> we're, we're here to inform you. We're here to educate you. They went off the fucking rails. Yeah. They, they went completely <laughs> off yeah. the deep end. Oh, yeah. It, it was very much of, uh, not, not, um, I'm not quoting anybody from the band here, but very much fuck you. Um, we're going to make what we want to make. And if it, and, and actually, uh, I think Neil, said um and if this is it if this is what we end on that's fine we're proud of it uh we'd much rather go back to our daily jobs that we had before touring than mm -hmm. do something that we don't want to make which right is like the, the utmost respect for those guys for taking that chance um and it worked thankfully um but actually a, a note that i had from fly by night um the that actual the title song i believe is where neil created his signature ride bell rhythm oh really yeah you know what it is yeah if you're a I knew exactly fan, you know what it was. is and i'm almost 100 right. sure that that's where that started and then now obviously he used it in countless it's a staple of his playing now oh yeah of course um so something about 2112 uh it has an opening piece the first song opening track that clocks in at over 20 minutes long and the title is 2112 Overture slash The Temples of Syrinx slash Discovery slash Presentation slash Oracle slash Soliloquy slash Grand Finale. Now, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> this is this is written as this is not like people throw this term around a lot and use it incorrectly. This is literally a space opera. 2112 yes. is written as a front to back story of dystopian space societies where overreaching priests are suppressing people and they're not, they're like keeping the secrets of their history or keeping their history secrets from them, you know? Yeah. So in the, in the same vein of them all being well-read, well-knowledged people, they decide to, to really write the stuff that inspired countless and countless and millions of nerds to start playing dungeons and dragons across the country you know <laughs> like that's right. where that's where that came from um and the, the music is structured like a musical an overture isn't just a fancy term for a song an overture is a piece of music that is going to give you snippets of everything you will hear or you can expect to hear in what you're about to hear musically. exactly 
Like exactly. that's that's the thing. So this is not just oh we went crazy, we did a lot of drugs, and this is what happened. This is all <laughs> meticulously planned. This is all like consciously written, consciously dedicated to, and it fucking kills. It's, it's so good. It's crazy that um they were told to not take chances, and that's what they did. Like they didn't just like be like okay we're gonna make the music we want to make. They literally were like we're we don't care what you say like we're gonna make literally anything that we want to make and it worked and it's crazy and it's (laughs) i just couldn't believe that i I can't believe that the the first track on that album that was make or break for them is 20 minutes long yeah like talking about putting your uh putting your money where your mouth is you know what i mean like they're gonna do the thing they do the thing yeah for real for real um that that's the big thing for me with with this band overtures are lost are they used to be at the beginning of like every classic movie yeah exactly right it sets the tone it literally sets the tone like that it sets the tone because it's it's telling you you can expect to hear these selections musically over the course of what you're about to experience right right and 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 something that i wish would come back to music more and a lot of prog bands still do this but i wish just music at large would do this is mm-hmm. the idea of proper theming in 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 a piece of music is something that i always really value where it's like you'll present a musical idea and associate it with a feeling or with a concept right right and and that happens all over this record there's certain like melodic lines that are repeated across the tracks that you hear on the overture that come up again in temples of syrinx or of course like are the big ones that saying that to me my personal favorites but who, right who's talking about personal biases so yeah <laughs> point being 2112 is the rush album right not yes. that it's 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 the most rush because it happened at such a pivotal point in their career where they had to either choose to be the most genuinely themselves or sell out and that was that you right. know um so. yeah for sure uh, it's yeah they they did what they want and uh, i'm happy that they did um let's yeah, see i think we all are if they, <laughs> oh, if they yeah. had it we wouldn't be talking about them oh now, exactly right? exactly um so real quick going back to uh their first tour that they got um after the first album came out um they had after so this is after right after neil joined like neil said yes they had two weeks to prepare for a tour i'm i'm spacing on who the tour was with um Mm -hmm. but their first american tour and they had two weeks to basically get to know who this neil kid who shreds at drums and to prepare a whole set and um the first show I don't remember if it was sold out or not, but it was at a cap of 11,000 people. And that was, their, people. that was their first American show in two weeks. They had to figure that out. God. Yeah. <laughs> Can that's, you imagine? I, no. I'm not even going to like fake that I can. I absolutely cannot even imagine that. Um, it, it, uh, I don't think it, it was the, the Kiss tour trauma was after that tour um they had heard that kiss had heard of or seen rush i don't remember which uh but they i think it was they heard him on the radio or something of that nature and they said we have to take these kids out like they're too good and it, it would just be they'd be because they were a great opening band um and so yeah. that's when it the first tour was uh, right before kiss and it's 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 always interesting when a band like kiss is like gunning to have you you know oh yeah say like say what you want about kiss but that band was also pioneers in their own right 
Oh yeah, um, for sure. We could probably do an episode on Kiss at some point, but we're not <laughs> for another time. Yes, for yes, for another, another time. time. Yeah, um, it's funny because they were actually Kiss at the time uh, were actually like only. I mean, they were. I shouldn't say they were only doing okay. They were doing okay for Kiss, right? Like, right. They were still selling crazy amounts of shows and tickets and stuff, but like their albums weren't doing great at the time. So yeah, it was that, kind of like a, bit of a lull. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like an underdog tour, and then right after Kiss. They did the exact same thing with Ted Nugent because Ted Nugent's albums weren't selling for shit either at the time. So Ted Nugent brought them and they did like a string of shows with him. Um, fun fact, I've actually ran sound for Ted Nugent. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's cool. It was very fun. That is a, that is a very fun fact. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so let's see. Where are we? This is man. I, I, I my hand hurts so much after Dude, doing this. Google Docs. That's what I'm telling you. I know, Dogs, but I was, I was in the living room watching it, and I was like, I might as well just write it. Um, that, that's fair. That that is fair. I um, and your notes are probably way more useful to you than my notes. My notes are a bunch of bullet points. <laughs> oh, mine are too, but they're like it's just like long winded, like it's a lot of stuff in one point type thing. Right. Right. Um, oh God. Yeah, I'm looking at them now. Yeah. Small little fact. Uh, let's so, see. Yeah. Go ahead if you got something. No, I think, um, like if we talk about like they're they're blowing up after after twenty one twelve, right? Like looking through the discography, farewell to Kings, uh, started charting charted eleven in Canada, thirty three in the U.S. So they're top fifty at this point. Twenty two right. in the U.K., forty one in Sweden. Hemispheres fourteen in Canada. Hemispheres, uh, um, and the next comes uh, permanent waves and moving pictures. Correct. Permanent Waves, yeah. And then Moving Pictures was their first number one debut in Canada. Yes. And number three in uh, in the United States. And Moving Pictures is arguably their most famous record. It's the uh, most recognizable artwork, for yes. sure. I, I, and know? I actually wrote Permanent Waves and Moving Pictures definitely became their most popular albums. Right. Um, and there's 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 a few songs on on those records that we could talk about specifically, you know? Like... There is. That, Hold on. Let me, I've got my. I have the up. track listing here, but I'm sure you have your notes somewhere. Um, I think I think if you know a Rush song in passing, you know it from Moving Pictures or or Permanent Waves. Like I think that's just yeah, those, for sure. Uh, there were there were so many big hits on those two yes. records. Um, you know. Yeah. So the honestly, the main two is Spirit of Radio and Free Will. Uh, right. Just so 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 unbelievably good um i actually when i took a shower today i had to listen to that album because i haven't listened to it in a long time um right and man the, just the chorus of free will where everything drops out mm -hmm. and then getty Le getty lee sings that i will choose free will is just it's so good right and that's and that's uh uh and uh if you have the right to choose you still have made a choice is that the lyric you know yes. if you have a right to like, choose you still have made a choice right it's so good it's so so good um i think we could take uh, a real quick five minute break here so we can collect ourselves and kind of go into this next chapter. We're at about a half point point through the okay, show. For so sure. it's a good stopping point. Um, boss Felipe, I'm not big brain. I'm just, I just have <laughs> too much love for this band. I'm telling you, you know, like is it it, bad? It's, it's, he said, is it bad? I don't understand anything, but I'm still interested, bro. I mean, we wanted to do go. this because I'm sure that there's plenty of people who haven't listened to rush. And because they are very much a cult band, they're very, um, they are very like, 
niche with their audience. And I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't heard Rush. I'd be, I'd be very surprised if you haven't heard Tom Sawyer, Mm -hmm. but that's Rush. I mean, like that's, that's probably, I I mean, I'd say Tom Sawyer, YYZ and 21 Silver, their most popular songs, right? 100% agree with that. Right. Um, You you can also say Limelight probably. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Limelight's been in a movie. Well, or two. I guess I guess Fly by Night and Working Man as well. Like, but mm. also I think that those two were there because they were so close to in sequence, and also Working Man became so huge. It was their first break song in America, right? Um, so obviously that's a really big one. Fly by Night is it's just always been a classic. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Okay, so Tyler, you haven't wait, hold on, you haven't heard Rush, or have you heard not heard a specific song? Because okay. I might be very okay. disappointed. We're going to do two things if our name is Tyler. Tyler, you're going to open up your Apple Music or your Spotify or your YouTube Red or whatever it's called. But it's Tony Jigsaw in chat, by the way. Uh, I figured. I figured. Um, yeah. But you're going to open whichever one of those you're using, preferably Spotify. You're going to go follow Rush or look at the <laughs> This Is Rush playlist. And then you're going to follow Black Flame on Spotify because we're posting the show there weekly. And this is just a good little time to plug that in. Yes. For anybody joining us who hasn't, yes. who didn't, who missed the beginning of the show, I missed the beginning of the show this week. My bad. Um, we <laughs> are, it should, YouTube Red is their YouTube music thing. Like, like, please do, like, even if you don't follow the, the, the show on Spotify or Anchor, at least go listen to Rush, man. Opening. Like, <laughs> do yourself now, a favor. Now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> following Black Flame so hard. We love that. But, yeah, for anybody who's joining us a little bit later, we post the whole show the next day or the day after on Spotify and on YouTube, and you can check us out in all those places. But we love having you here interacting in real time while we're doing the live show. This True. Is a, this is a lot of fun for us. Very much so. Yeah. I, I it's um it's very cool to I I I the only thing that I'm like it's not that I shouldn't say I don't like, but that I wish we could do more is just interact with chat. But I understand why we can't. It makes sense. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. That's why we have you sections know, like this. It's okay. Right. I, I, I have the stream open and I'm reading chat and I'm like, oh I love that. I love that. Following Black Flame is my favorite drug. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> that's that's yeah, same. Like, let give me that good shit. Okay, let's uh, let's get back into this beaker, <clears throat> shall we? Okay. Um. So after those albums came out and happened, um, they kind of got very experimental. Uh, experimental for Rush is weird because experimental for Rush doesn't mean what it's it's our experimental is already what, what Rush sounds like. Um, when I say exper- experimental for Rush, I mean incorporating new sounds like a lot of synthesizers and <clears throat> doing a lot of things that people were doing in the 80s. Um, they became very poppy, if you believe it, in the 80s <clears throat> and early 90s. And Alex, the guitarist, actually really didn't like that uh, because it kind of did, it, all, it almost left no room for him as a guitarist. Um, mm. But after they put out, I think, I don't know if it was two albums, but at least one album excuse me, that was very poppy um, and very synth-oriented and synth-heavy. They got with a producer whose name is escaping me right now. I should have wrote it down. I apologize. And he told them, he said, listen, I get what you're trying to do, but we are going to bring back the Rush sound, but in a modern way to where it makes sense. And there was a song that they showed and it was, um, let me pull it up. I'm not going to play it, but it was uh, Show Don't Tell from um, 
Great song. From Presto. Great song. And dude, that opening riff is so good because it's like, it's Rush and funk and like jazzy. Like, it's just so good. And the rhythms are so weird. And I fucking love that song. Um, so after they did all that, uh, my favorite 80s type of music is Vaporwave-ish type songs. I gave that's how you say it. I think that's how you say it. Uh, but anyway, so I, I, I think that fits. <laughs> um, after they did all that, um, the late 90s happened. And uh, in 1997, I wrote this down because it was very important. Uh, in 1997, Neil's daughter actually passed away in a really bad car accident. Um, and of course, everyone was shocked. He was devastated. Uh, they took some time off to let him deal with that, obviously. And then <clears throat> almost uh, mockingly shortly after that, his wife got sick and passed away. Um, pretty much, I think within the span of a couple of years, his wife and his daughter both died. Uh, so he had a really, really rough time. Um, and actually what happened after that is he basically stopped talking to everyone. Rush was on pause for, I think, four or five years, maybe a little less. But he, yeah, I, I think he told at, at Selena's funeral, mm -hmm. I think he told his bandmates to consider him retired. Yes. Yeah. I think I, I believe you're correct. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's really freaking sad. Um, but what happened after that is he, he got on his motorcycle and he basically started where he was living. He traveled completely across the U S and then went straight down through South America Traveled all the way through South America. It was a 55,000-mile motorcycle ride, basically. Um, traveled all the way down through South America, back up into the U.S., and then uh, landed in California. And that was a couple of years, obviously, taking place. And he said one of the things that he loved, because Neil was very um, antisocial and kind of standoffish when it came to just people, not even fans, just people in general. Uh, he said one of the things that he loved the most about that whole thing was, one, obviously, this, the escape. But two, he said that he got recognized almost zero times. Yeah, there's the entire actually, thing. Um, I remember reading an article after his death, right? A right. couple of days after his death. It was uh, somebody, like, it was almost like a blog post, less of an article. So, like one of the few times that somebody claims to have recognized him during this insanely long <clears throat> journey that he right. was undergoing, right? Right. And even though the guy was obviously going through the worst time in his life, according to this art, to what this person had to say, he was nothing but a class act the entire time. Yeah. They sat down and had coffee at like a small gas station type deal and right neil gave him a book to take with him right neil was always reading yes of course yeah neil was a total bookhead like he was that's that's actually why they had him start writing lyrics when he joined because he mm -hmm. his vocabulary was so much higher up there and he read so many books that neil actually wrote all the lyrics for the band um so as like almost as soon as he started uh but yeah, yeah. no it, it's it's very clear that like it started out as a um, excuse me, uh, depressed escape. And it turned into one of the greatest things that he ever could have done for himself because there are pictures of him when he's writing and when he stops to take a picture and all that stuff in different, um, you know, countries and stuff like that. He seems very happy. He seems like he's enjoying himself. He seems like this is just something that he needed to do. 
and uh, the escape can clearly helped him a lot. <clears throat> it it you know it's one of those things where obviously having having music is an outlet and it's a functional outlet and it's a great outlet. But there's times where you need to uh, you kind of need to realize that taking yourself out of a situation might be the best. Right. And exactly. Then, like some of the stuff that happened around his um his first wife's death, like. She died of cancer, but he's gone on the record to say that she basically died of apathy because um, not that their marriage was dysfunctional or bad, but 20 years of touring is going to have its toll on. Oh, yeah. Relationship, you know? Yeah, for sure. I'm an addict. So I'm sure there was a part of it where I'm speculating here. She was so <clears throat> fed up with the fact that he was never around that she didn't care to take care of herself and like fight to try and live through that. And that obviously like, Oh wow. Gripped him, you know, that, that had to be gripping for him. Like, yeah. I mean, you're basically something. being told like, I don't care enough to want to stay here. Yeah. Like that, like that's, that's rough, man. That um, is, that's extremely fucking rough. That's yeah. Rough is the <laughs> understatement of the century, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rough is. Yeah. Um, so to bring the mood up a little bit yeah um, now that we, it's kind of now that we're past that oh, real quick one one more side note from that whole story uh neil uh i don't remember if it was during that trip or after that trip he wrote a book um it's called ghost rider you should absolutely read it or get it on audible whatever you need to do you should ingest that in some way mm. shape or form because it is amazing um one of the best books i've ever read uh absolutely worth it um, let me see. I have something that I wanted to play. It's not Rush per se, but uh, can you hear the stream? Uh, I have it muted. I can unmute it real quick. Go ahead and unmute it. So, do you have you ever watched South Park? Yeah. Did you ever see their South Park intro for their? I think it was the Rush Forty tour. No, I did not. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna show it, but I'll play it. <laughs> okay. All right. These are all the South Park characters playing this song. So then they would actually start the song at that part. Oh my god, dude! It's so good, and I oh my oh man, it's just <laughs> you know you know it's funny. It's like um, very not rarely, but it's always interesting to see um how bands get represented in um in media, right? You think <laughs> of how you think of Blue Oyster Cult getting represented on SNL, right? right. With the uh, the more cowbell. Band. You think of right. Green Day being in the Simpsons movie, right? Um, and then I you think of you, 
Yeah, I did too until just now. Sorry. <laughs> you, and then you think about Rush um, getting referenced by shows like South Park. And I remember last week when we decided we were going to do this deep you dive. You mentioned Family Guy? I mentioned the Family Guy bit about beating up <laughs> Peter Griffin in 7-8 time. And that's sending me into fits of laughter, right? Um, somebody in the chat actually mentioned um, Trailer Park Boys and their obsession with the Rush. Alex Lifeson went on an episode of Trailer Park Boys as himself. And he needed help getting his guitar back from a pawn shop or oh something. Oh my god, that's and amazing. And it's the funniest fucking episode of television in the show that I've seen in a long time. Because of oh course god. it's riddled with jokes about Rush. You know, of course the episode is just nothing but Rush jokes the whole time. Right. It's, it's, it's so good. It's so fucking good right I'm, I'm not gonna play it now but i'm gonna watch the family guy thing when we get done with this i just don't know if yeah i don't want to play it right now just because I, I don't know if it's gonna get us taken down from like youtube or something but sure you know you know the youtube the youtube deities might have their yes. own opinions about yes. how to do yes. things um, um but if, if anybody wants to watch it it just youtube family guy russian it's the second video beat him in six eight time one of the um one of the things that i did want to touch on where like i feel like it'd be we would be remiss to not talk about it is um Rush's live show once they achieved success. You know? Yes. Yes. Like there I I want the bullet point note that I had was the live show spectacle. Mm -hmm. Like that's the exact wording that I used. Um it sucks because it feels like an episode like uh, I almost would love to do like a multi-part episode about Rush, but this is our first time doing it. Maybe our next deep dive will break I, it up into a few I thought about it. Out. Like I really thought about it. Um, so Felipe says question for you guys, but do you feel nostalgia while talking about this? Um, I don't think nostalgia is the right word. And I only say that because it wasn't like the music re I, it wasn't at least the music I grew up listening to. I didn't listen to rush till later in life. Um, mm -hmm. and also I've never, I never got the chance to see them live and I know I'm pretty sure. And that's the same for you as well. Yeah, um, that that is. The so I, I I wouldn't say nostalgia is the correct word, but there it's definitely a um is 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 serotonin the right word? Serotonin is a neurotransmitter in your brain. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, right. Isn't that? Isn't yeah, like, yeah, isn't like the good neurotransmitter. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is. Um, I yeah, it's, I, it gives me it gives me the good feelies talking about Rush because yeah, you know, like I think I I don't know if I told you this story where we talked about this last week. um. When the day that Neil died, January seventh of twenty twenty, and oh, I wow. only know that I only know that because I, I that was the day that I got my favorite guitar that I owned. I had ordered it for Sweetwater, and it came in the mail, right? And I remember that day, and it was a big deal to me. Oh man! I was with uh, some of my coworkers on our day off. We were at the School of Rock, and we were playing music, and we decided to just start playing a bunch of Rush songs. Oh. Like we played, we played Bastille Day. We played, um, we played Tom Sawyer and YYZ. Obviously, we faked our way through Red Barchetta. <laughs> you know, like just like just just fucking around, like not even for the sake of like, oh, we're gonna play this because we're putting together a Rush tribute set or anything. Right. right. Um, but I was like, uh, we were playing all this music. I was like, man, I just I love this band so much. And there was a bunch of other guys who were like into Prague and. And then I left that rehearsal. We were there for like three or four hours and I heard it on the radio oh. and I couldn't believe it. I had to call all those guys and be like, are you hearing about what just happened? Like, like, and, and so it, it's, um, it's a really good feeling to like be able to like talk, gush about 
the things that you right. love, right? Right. And it's even better when you get to share that with someone who obviously has the same like level of emphatic of course about of course. it, you know? So thank you for sharing this with me. Yeah. Uh, hey it, man, I, I feel the same way, bro. Sure. <clears throat> it, it's like, it's just, it feels really good. So I guess to answer Felipe's question is it's, it's not nostalgia for me and it's not even, and like, it is a good feeling, but it's more, um, like validation catharsis almost to talk about this and be like, yes, you understand you, you right. get what I'm saying, you <laughs> right. know? Yeah. I'm not just this stupid nerd. Who's really into this stupid prog band for no reason. There's others, there's other people <laughs> out there because there's this also this presentation of like rush fans being like obnoxious on the internet also, you know? Oh like, really? I've, I've yeah. actually, I've never heard that. I've been seeing it more and more recently where it's like, oh, your favorite band is Rush. You must be really fucking boring as a person. <laughs> it's a, like a meme I saw in a Facebook guitar group the other day. <laughs> and it was funny because I could see where that's coming from. But at the same time, it's like, it's like, no, like, like there's, there is something special here. There's a lot to connect to with this band. Like they talk, they talk about so many different things that people aren't, necessarily talking about in music i could see beaker just laughing about the fucking well, comment dude, i mean <laughs> it's funny like i if you have a good sense of humor and you're not like don't you don't have a stick up your ass that's hilarious to every it rush is. fan it like, is really funny you know like that's like, hilarious to every rush fan and it should be like <laughs> someone took the time out of their day to specifically make that joke about you you should feel special about that Right, like you go, Glen Coco. You got <laughs> somebody go, talking about you. That's um, it, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, Felipe, what you said, yeah, maybe like you weren't there, but you feel special connection to the band. Absolutely. Um, that is absolutely what it is. Uh, and it's it's a bummer that I never got to meet those guys. Like, because I, yeah. I I know my dad would have been like, all right, we're gonna get meet and greet tickets because we're meeting them. There's no way yeah. we're not. Uh, right. because like as, as 60 year old men who've been touring for 40 plus years, they're still doing meet and greets. Like that's special. That's different. That is special. That's like, rare. Yeah, exactly. Like usually people who have been doing it for that long would, would never even step foot. Like if they could five feet from the people that they play music to, like, there's just no way. And to, mm -hmm. to do a multiple hour meet and greet, which by the way, <clears throat> Um, like I said earlier, Neil, he was not a people person. Um, Neil actually wouldn't go to the meet and greets. Um, he just, he never liked that interaction with someone who, like, it was clear that there was more than just, like, a person-to-person -person thing. It was like, I'm meeting an idol, and he didn't right. like that. Uh, actually, the bassist of um, Rage Against the Machine had met him. He got brought into a room. They were like, do you want to meet Neil? And he was like, uh, what? Yes. Uh, hello. Yeah. And so they brought him into Neil's room and he, and he was like, Hey man, you know, I'm, I just want to say hello. Like I'm a huge fan. And Neil just like, didn't say anything. And then like the security guard just like took the guy out. <laughs> like he was just like, and Neil talked about, it. he was like, I don't want to like seem rude. And it's not because I don't love them. And like, but I don't want that interaction where there's like you have a fantasy and i'm i'm the one who's supposed to be fulfilling that like that type of thing right i'm, I'm actually a person you know i would like yeah. if you talk to me as a person I yeah can, i can understand that you yeah know? <clears throat> uh, um, i hope to be famous enough one day to have that mentality <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> uh so so uh really quick um i'm not sure 
if you knew this, but a- so after the whole uh, South America trip on his bike, um, mm-hmm. he he pretty much just fell in love with motorcycles and rode them yeah. everywhere. And when they were on tour, when Alex and Getty would be in either a tour bus or a jet or a plane or whatever you want to call it, flying to their next destination for a show, Neil would ride his motorcycle to every single date. And he oh, would, wow. yeah, uh, by him, it, it would either be by himself or he'd have like one of their security guys who also rode ride with him. And um, there was one tour. I want to say it was the 40 tour. Um, okay. I'm, I, I want to say it was the 40 tour where there was a, a date where on the way when he was riding his motorcycle, it was raining like crazy. It rained for hours mm-hmm. on end and water had gotten like into his motorcycle boots. And mm-hmm. like basically it had been sitting there stagnant for so long. It like just rotted his foot. Oh, like God, yeah. he had like gangrene or some shit. And there was just like a hole in his foot and he had to ride the rest of the way, get to the show, change his shoes into his drumming shoes because he has those and play the entire set with basically a hole in his foot. And he he, he like went to go off stage and he almost couldn't walk. Yeah, what the Like talk about a freaking gangster. Like, (laughs) yeah. Like not 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 so humble brag, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like you don't you don't you don't got to be humble when you pull shit out like that. Off, <laughs> exactly. You, know? you don't you don't have to talk to people when you do that shit. <laughs> yeah, you can have the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so my favorite part of Rush, or one of my favorite parts of Rush, aside from the music, aside from the personality, aside from how well read they they are, is um. So at mo- a lot of their shows later in their tours, when they are established and they could decide we're going to do whatever the hell we want, and that's what mm-hmm. we're going to do. Um, Alex Lyson got into this really fun habit of, of <clears throat> in the middle of a show, whether it's like during an instrumental break in a song or literally between songs, he would go on, a, on rants about stuff. Oh. Um, about nonsense stuff. Oh, like Kanye. Like, yeah, like kind of like <laughs> Kanye, but um, I I I'm gonna send this to you, uh, Mike. Where it's a I'm gonna find the time stamp when he starts talking about it. Yeah, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want. <clears throat> Hold on, copy video URL at current time. Check your Discord. Okay. Because this is um, this is him in the middle of a rant about Paris Hilton. Oh Lord. And he starts doing an impression of Paris Hilton at the time of Sam And I would like for you to play that for the stream if you don't mind so they can hear what I'm, I'm talking I'm playing about. it now. Oh, thank you, God, for making me not be Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, during the middle of the Via Stragnato, oddly enough. Maybe I'll spend some money today. So he would do shit like that. Uh, my favorite one is he has a rant about fried chicken that I can't find a YouTube video for anymore. Like he got taken down or something. Uh, actually, let's try Alex Lifeson fried chicken. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, and that's it's amazing. Stupid, but I love it. No, I, think I mean I think it's so great. And you know that all of the Rush fans were just like, yes. Preach. Give me more. Give me, <laughs> give me more of your nonsense, Alex Lifeson. Um, so since we're talking about favorite Rush things, uh, one of my actually this is probably my favorite Neil thing ever. Um, so for those of you who don't know, 
Neil always thought that when they're playing live, he's the drummer behind the drum kit is where he should be. And that's where he stays when they get on stage. And then when they get off stage, he's, he's behind the kit at all times. He doesn't go to the front of the stage ever. He never did in their almost 50 years of playing. Um, so when they were doing their, I, be, I, I believe it was their last tour and it was their last show of the tour. And they had already announced we're not touring anymore. Like this is it. You know, everybody knew um, at the end of the last show of the last tour, Neil um, came to the front of the stage with the rest of the band members and I want to say there's a video of it. I can't remember, but he came to the front of the stage and he's never done this in almost 50 years. And he joined Getty and Alex in the little group like, bow, bow and group yeah. hug and everything. And Getty and Alex's face when he runs up behind them and like grabs their shoulders is the most amazing thing ever. Cause it's like, even there, like, holy shit, Neil Pert is up here with us like he's never done this. So it, it, it was just such an amazing moment. And like, I'm, I, I want to say I got teary eyed. I'm almost hundred percent sure I got teary eyed when I saw that shit. Cause I was like, dude, this guy, it, I, I don't know. It was just amazing to me for, to watch. <clears throat> no, I, I, I get that. I get that. Wait, I see instructions for trauma. We'll check in on that here in a minute. Oh, okay. Oh, the other, okay. Got it. Duly noted. So we'll, we'll make sure that we handle that appropriately. Um, yeah, man, there, there's just a lot of things to pinpoint about. Uh, about I almost made the decision uh, a year ago, like when COVID had started. Like, I got nothing better to do. Maybe I'll learn how to use a MIDI foot controller and mm -hmm. commit to the Alex life or not to the <laughs> Getty Lee thing. You yeah. Know? And just like, yeah, I want to play a keyboard with my toes. Oh, my that God. Sounds like a good <laughs> that sounds like what I want to be doing. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of crazy. I, after seeing clips of them, excuse me, uh, from the eighties when they were very synth driven. Yeah. I mean, he had like three different stands with like two or three keyboards on each stand for like their whole show. And it was, it was, it, it definitely drives home the fact that they were very synth driven. Like yeah. he almost didn't play bass like the whole time. He was just at the, at the freaking keyboard. He would just sit. He didn't even have a bass on him, like strapped around him. He would just sit at the keyboard and do a bunch of crazy shit and play. And like, that was it. Yeah. He, I almost bought the, uh, like the, the main unit that he used for, for bass signal. They were getting kind of synth crazy was the, the Moog Taurus. Mm -hmm. And Moog makes a mini Taurus, like a Minotaur, which is just a smaller version of Taurus. Yeah. And it is, pretty nasty it's yeah <laughs> great sounding synthesizer and i i almost bought one. Oh man I, I yeah i would imagine that it probably sounds pretty good if uh if he's using it uh yeah i mean it's just it's perfect for for like that low end sub bass kind of yeah it's, it's it's that sound yeah um, oh by the way actually the first note that i wrote that was after the list of people in the documentary who spoke on them um was that getty lee's bass tone is absolutely yeah. disgusting and legendary Oh yeah. Like his live tone is so unbelievably good. It's crazy. <clears throat> I prefer his I prefer his bass tone to most guitar tone. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, like I, I so like my dad loves Rush. Um that's who introduced me to them. Um and we would always like when he would have his his nights work, you know, after a week of work he'd have some drinks on Friday and like mm -hmm. 
we would watch all of the live shows, like literally right. every single one, like live in Rio or Russian Rio, rather. Um, the 40 tour, uh, was it Clockwork Angels? Um, I think Clockwork Angels, like all of that. <clears throat> and just the, the tone that he had was so good. Yeah. And he, that's somebody who cared, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. That whole band was people who couldn't, uh, let me see. What's the best way to word this? I wasn't, I was going to say couldn't care less, but that doesn't mean what I want it to mean. Um, right. <laughs> they cared a lot is right. what I'm trying to get at. Potentially <clears throat> too much. Potentially no. too much. Yes. But yeah, man, I really feel like in the future, we'll talk about this more uh, off the show. I think if we're going to do deep dives, we should, we should plan to do multi episodes. Cause there's so much more that I want to say. And I know that. Oh yeah. Of it, like, yeah, we just don't have the time. Well, man. we actually we didn't even really talk about Getty. Like that's the thing. We, we've hardly <laughs> spoken about Getty. We the, talked we about talk- Getty for the last like two minutes, and that was it. Like I had a whole page on like his history of being himself. Okay, next episode, <clears throat> Getty Lee deep dive. <laughs> yeah, just Getty Lee. Just Getty Lee. Oh um, man. But yeah, so, um, like we talked about at the beginning and middle of the podcast, we do this on Twitch.tv slash black flame gg every tuesday at 8 p.m central 9 p.m eastern um you can also find the video on youtube and you can find the audio find the audio on spotify it's usually the day after most likely will be just because this one isn't really gonna be much to edit i would imagine um so yeah anthony thank you sir for joining me on another beautiful having me this show is a lot of fun i've come to this comes to be like the most exciting part of my week now um thank you thank you for sharing this conversation with me on my birthday this has been a lot of fun oh yes oh happy oh oh i forgot how dare i didn't even make a cake i didn't make a cake god damn it i forgot son of a dude don't don't even worry about it thank you for just talking with me about this stuff like this has been this has been a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited to do our show next week, which we don't, you know, we don't have a topic for next week. We're going to talk about it off the air. No teasers this time. So we'll make it extra spicy for you guys. Yes. Uh, like, thank you for the happy birthday wishes in the chat. I know I'm not supposed to read chat, but it's the end of the show. Who cares? Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much. And we're going to put something really special together for you guys next week and beyond. Please check us out on Spotify. Check us out on YouTube, all that good stuff. If anybody here in the live chat wants to join us, we're going to be dropping a raid over to Sir Kenbo because that guy's awesome. And But that's our show for the week. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Bye.